0: I want to share some thoughts this morning about, and this is for some some sisters in uh, Birmingham. They asked me to teach on this one day. I'm going to try to do it all in one sitting here this morning. So it's going to be fast with uh, lots of scriptures. So you may want to just jot the scriptures down and don't take notes maybe. And then you can listen to the, the message later online if you want to. But I really want you to just receive As it comes, if you want to jot the scriptures down, that's great. Um, But we were talking in Birmingham about what happened in the invisible between the cross and the throne. I want to share what the scripture teaches about what happened in the invisible reality from the death of Jesus to his burial to his his resurrection and his ascension to the throne. From the cross to the throne, what happened in the invisible. It's powerful, it's full of truth. It will correct a lot of misthinkings, misthoughts and wrong thinking about the gospel, and I think it'll be it'll be a blessing because it's the reality of what happened behind the scenes that we could not see with natural eyes. But the scripture tells us what happened. It's awesome. Father I pray that by the power of your holy spirit that you would grant to us eyes that see may the eyes of our heart be enlightened the eyes of our new heart that you have given us in Christ and may the mind of Christ that you have given us through the gift of the holy spirit be engaged May that mind that is in us, which is also in Christ Jesus, be engaged by the Holy Spirit to receive truth that is not of this world, unseen realities of what happened on that tree as he also inherited your death, Lord, as you descended into Sheol and rose again on the third day. Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would see these things and that it would be life to us, life and peace. For the mindset on the things of the Spirit, life, bring life and peace. Thank you, Lord, for your great love. And may in all of this, Lord, may we see behind it all an everlasting love, a great love, that you would give all that you had, that we may have all that you are an everlasting love, kingdom without end. Amen. Okay, if you would, let's look at a th- Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians is right after Ephesians and before Colossians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, If there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves. Which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Awesome. You know, we talk about how we are, God has made us holy and God has made us righteous and that is so true, that is so awesome. But let us never forget at what great price, at what great price he made us holy, at what great price he made us righteous in himself. It's awesome. And to receive that gift of righteousness, to receive that gift of holiness honors the Son of God. It honors his suffering, it honors his work, It honors the Father. It glorifies the Father. And for us to think we're not righteous or not holy and to let legalism creep into our thinking, to think that we can add something to what the Son of God has done does not honor the Father. And that's why, you know, our passion here at Grace Church is to proclaim the awesome work of the Son, the finished work of the Son, that all who see and believe may enter into his rest and glorify the Father through the Son by boasting in the son and boasting in what he has done. It's awesome. So let's look at this. This is so cool. You know, just, just real briefly, I've, had, I've heard some people say that, <clears throat> people that hold to the, to, the, to the teaching that's kind of going around the church concerning Christian universalism or universal reconciliation, uh, there's a, the teaching that's kind of going around a, a few circles saying that everybody's going to be saved and everybody's going to go to heaven. Um, and they quote this verse sometimes where it says, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, everybody who's in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. And they use that as a, a verse to say that, see, everybody's going to believe. But saints, that doesn't believe, I mean, that doesn't teach that everybody who confesses him as Lord believes in their heart and receives him as their Savior. Um, in fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9 through 14 Hebrews 10, 9 through 14 says that he sits at the right hand of God the Father until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. His enemies will confess him as Lord, but they are a footstool for his feet. You see? So, yes, everybody will confess him as Lord, but don't think for a minute that those who have rejected the Son, who hate the Son, who resist the Son have any place in the kingdom of heaven or any inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. Um, So just be aware that that's circulating among some circles. Um, And what is the real enemy of God? The real enemy of God are those who refuse to submit themselves to the gift of righteousness. That's really the enemy. The lamb who sits upon the throne has finished the work. The enemies of the cross, Paul said, are those whose God is their belly. He's, ref- he's referring to dietary laws who say that I'm righteous if I don't eat certain foods, whose God is their belly. Enemies of the cross are those who uh, try to do good deeds in order to be righteous. Paul said that his brothers, the Jewish, his Jewish brothers, sought righteousness by the works of the law and found it not. But the Gentiles heard the awesome good news of Jesus, simply heard and believed, and they found righteousness as a gift through faith. He would be the stumbling block of the Jew, the Scripture says. Christ himself, the stumbling block. Why? Because they would seek righteousness by their own efforts and not understand that righteousness can only be given, only be given by God. So he has become the stumbling block of of many. Jesus said that he would be the rock that men would stumble over and those who stumble over this rock, that that very rock would crush them. In other words, those who refuse to receive his righteousness will be crushed in judgment for their refusal to receive the lamb. But he also is a rock for you who believe to stand on. So the same rock that you stand on is the rock that will crush those who have refused to receive the gift of righteousness. It's serious stuff. It's big stuff. This is huge stuff. God is calling all men. God is, in his great love, is calling all men to come and receive his son And what happened in the invisible is huge. It's huge. And you are not only a part of it, you're in the middle of it. It's awesome. Well, let's start. You know, by the way, I think this will make an awesome movie. I think this would be an awesome movie. Um, The script could be written from the perspective of the thief on the cross who believed. I mean, think of the ride he took. I mean, I I can see a movie, a script being written about this thief and start the movie with his life as a thief and, you know, just a scoundrel and, you know, with no hope of any righteousness in his life, just a mess. And he ends up charged with stealing, and he ends up crucified next to the Son of God. And then in this scenario, you have one thief on one side and one thief on the other side of Jesus, and one doesn't believe, one does believe, and I can just see a movie being made like this where it begins at the life of the thief and then the cross and then, it, and then you know, the Lord himself taking the thief with him. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. I think it would be awesome. And then, and then how the Lord descended with the thief. He was an eyewitness to all these things. He didn't deserve grace. He had no time to get baptized. He had no time to say the, he didn't even say the prayer right. He didn't do anything right. He had he was no, no membership in any church, no good deed. I mean, all he did was he just said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. Didn't even say it right. And Jesus, Jesus pushed up on the cross and looked to him and said, truly, truly, I say to you, this day you will be with me in paradise. And that's what the heart of God is, that he would be with us and we would be with him. That's, that's everything. And what is paradise? Paradise, see, that's not heaven. Paradise, we're going to talk about that. Paradise is a reference to Abraham's bosom. It's the place, yeah, it's, the word in the Greek, paradise, means an enclosed area that's protected and that is a, uh, like a tropical, beautiful, enclosed area. That's why we call Eden paradise. Um, it's supposed to be, it's, it refers to a beautiful place of comfort and beauty. Um, and so what, what God did was, uh, well, let me say this, and I'm going to try to flow with this and we'll go back to the scriptures and all. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that no man has ever ascended into heaven except the Son of Man who has descended. John chapter 3. We tend to think that men have been in heaven before Jesus. They were not. Even Elijah, who was taken up with the chariot of fire, he was taken up to go to paradise. He was taken out of this realm to go to paradise, which is in Sheol. Enoch, who was not, was taken by God to go to paradise. No man had ever been in heaven. He has to have the preeminence in all things, Jesus. He has to be the first man in heaven. He has to be the have the preeminence. He as a resurrected man was the first man to enter the heavens. Now what happened? What happened? God prepared an area called Sheol in the Hebrew, called Hades in the Greek, same place. And in this place Jesus talked about the parable of the rich man and the poor man Lazarus. And Jesus gives us incredible insight as to what this place is like and what it, how it's set up. The way it's set up is every, before Christ, every departed spirit, every departed spirit, even in the days of Noah. We'll read a verse in Peter that talks about that. Even before, the, in the flood of Noah, everybody who died descended to Sheol in the, in the Hebrew, Hades in the Greek, descended in this place of departed spirits. There was a great gulf, Jesus said, that separated two groups of people. You either descended into Abraham's bosom, or another word, paradise, same place. You you descended either into this awesome place of comfort, and and the presence of God was in there, was there. The scripture says, David says, you were with me even in Sheol, your presence is, is there. So the presence of God was there and it was an awesome place or you descended into this other place it's kind of like a barren land you can look at it as a desert it is not hell there's nobody in hell right now by the way there's nobody in hell hell is not to the lake of fire at the very end of all things that's hell what people are in now who have not believed are in the place where you saw the rich man who said He's a wandering spirit. He says, can you st- take me a, just a bit of water to touch my tongue? I'm so thirsty. It's a, it's a place of agony. It's a place of despair, yes. But it's not really the place of, it's not the place of hell. It's, it's tormenting, yes. But it's not the place of hell. It's not the final judgment yet. In fact, at the very end of the book of Revelation, it says, then Sheol shall give up her dead, and the books will be opened. And the books will judge every person according to their works. And, of course, every person who is in Sheol based on their works trying to get into heaven. Nobody makes it, the scripture says, and they're all thrown into the lake of fire. That is the eternal hell. So in Sheol, you have people that are, who have died and have been separated by God. Now, the reason why he's thirsty is because when you're on the earth in this realm with your body, you can mask The thirst for real life, the real water of life by things, by sex, by money, by power, by whatever. By fleshly pursuits, you can mask the thirst for life, real life. And when you are removed from your body, there is nothing to mask it. And you are suddenly aware that I have no life. I am Dead, spiritually dead, but I'm still alive in the sense that I am an entity. I'm a being now that is tormented because I never received his life. Now, those who, who died and fell into Abraham's bosom or placed in Abraham's bosom, they, in, in, a, in a way we can't really explain, God, in his very presence, kept them comfort comforted. They still had not received life spiritual life yet but the life was being if you can say it this way pumped to them it was being given to them until the work was done on the earth because see if they had the life in them they would not have descended they would have ascended that's why you saint absent from the body is present with the lord because you have his life you see you have what we have as saints in the new covenant is greater than what they had under the old covenant, as Hebrew says. They did not have the life. They saw it afar off, but they did not receive the promise of the spirit of life. It could not be given. John said the spirit of God could not be given until Jesus, the man, was glorified. It had to be, the work had to be accomplished on earth. The blood had to be shed on earth. The reconciliation had to take place. He had to be glorified before the spirit of God could be poured out From the Father, through the Son, and the Son's man, the Spirit of man, which was in the Son, could touch your spirit of man and bring the the conduit of the Spirit of God through the Son into your spirit. You see, it had to be a man. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. It had to be a glorified man who was God and man so that the Spirit of God in him could flow through his human spirit, touch your human spirit, so your human spirit could, could, could relate to his human spirit, so the human spirit of Jesus could touch your human spirit, and the, God, the Spirit of God in Jesus could flow through his human spirit into your spirit. That could not happen until Jesus was glorified, and that's exactly why the Apostle John says Jesus was not yet glorified. I mean that the Spirit was not yet given in a regenerative way until Jesus was glorified. Now, the Spirit was given in the Old Testament in, in a, not in a regenerative way, but it, the Spirit would come and fall upon them and lift and fall and lift. That's why David says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. The Spirit would fall upon the kings and the prophets and the priests, and that was God's way of moving through them, much like in Sheol and Abraham's bosom. The same kind of thing. The Spirit would be there, but not in them not in a regenerative way, see? So what happened was that this, and by the way, the reason why there are two thieves on either side of Jesus is because God is saying there, the Father is painting a picture, that Jesus died for all men, whether they believe or not. Whether they believe or not. Look at this, saints. This is so awesome. In Luke Chapter 23, let's look at this real quick. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And by the way, you ask yourself, how, do you, how does God decide which side you fall in? How does God decide which one goes to the desert and which one goes to Abraham's bosom, awaiting the final sacrifice on earth so they can be released from Hades? Hades. Scripture says, it has always been, always been, by grace, through faith, that men have been saved. Always. Never been by law. Never. Never. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. God would relate to man in, in, in an eternal way, only by grace, through faith. Now, on the earth... He judges men according to the law sometimes because of a covenant of law on a temporary basis, yes. But that was temporary. That was then. This is now. The fulfillment has come. But always, always the eternal destiny of any man, any woman has always been determined because of God's grace and faith. So you know what happens? The scripture says, Peter says in Acts God who knows the heart of man. God who can see faith. Peter said that. He said that in reference to the, to the time he went to the Cornelius' house and he was speaking. He, he was sent there by an angel to go speak the gospel to the, the Gentiles in Cornelius' house. And, and the Spirit fell upon them as he was speaking. They never said, we believe, with their mouth. They never got baptized. Well, not before the Spirit came. They got baptized after But they they never did anything that we think they have to do to receive the Spirit. But why? Why? Because as the word went forth, remember what Cornelius said? We are here by God's direction, and we have been told by the Lord to hear you and receive you. And every word you speak, we receive. You realize one of the secrets to receiving power and revelation is what Paul said? You received us not as mere men, but as it is truly, we are speaking the words of God. If you receive a man as just a man and not receive his words as the words of God, then Paul says it will not effectually work in you who believe. I do not mean by that that you take everything a man says. We search the scriptures to see if these things are true. But, saints, you can hear the voice of God. You need no man teach you, but the anointing which abides within you shall lead you into all truth. So, when you hear someone that you respect, that you know, that you know, a relationship with, and and they're speaking, Open your heart and say, Lord, if I want to hear only your voice. And if a, man, if a man's voice is in that mix, I don't want to hear it. But I want to hear your voice. And believe, receive. Paul says, because you received us not as mere men, but as it is, we are the servants of God, bringing his word. The word you've received effectually works in you who believe. It's one of the secrets of the, of the power of God as, you, as the word of God goes forth. And so So, Peter says, as he was speaking, the Spirit fell. So, Peter is explaining this to the Jews back in Acts 15 when the Jews and all the leaders of the church got together about this issue of the Gentiles coming into the faith. And Peter says, God who sees the heart and sees faith in the heart gave them the Spirit like he gave us. You see, God sees faith in the heart, God sees the heart. We don't know all the answers. But I'm going to tell you this. Those who refuse to follow Jesus because they say I'm not going to follow a God who's going to let all these people die in India and all these people die in where you know who never heard the name of Jesus, they're going to be sorely disappointed and very sad on the day when they see that the God of the universe will do right. God Seize the heart There are things that we don't know It's like When Peter said to Jesus what's, What about this man, speaking of John What about this man, what, what, what's going to happen to him And Jesus said to him What is that to you Peter You Follow me All these naysayers that say I'm not going to follow a God Who's going to let half the world go to hell Because they haven't heard the name of Jesus They haven't heard some evangelist on TV Listen, it's not going to be that way It's not going to be that way God is speaking with dreams and visions and people. You have no idea what he's doing with the Muslims, with the Hindu. He's reaching out in ways we cannot fathom. People in comas, in hospitals are speaking to Jesus. He is moving like ways we have no idea. He's a big God. What is that to you? In our little minds, we think we can question the God of all righteousness and say, I'm not going to follow a God who can't save everybody. What are you saying? Where did you get that sense of justice? Did you get it from yourself? No, you got it from him. You got a little piece of a sense of justice in you because you're made in his image, and now you're going to blame him for something you don't understand? No, what is that to you? You follow him. You see? God will do right, and those who trust his goodness will see his goodness, and you'll see people in heaven you never expected to be there. Because of his goodness. Millions, the scripture says, millions, millions that could not be numbered will be around the throne. From all nations, from all tribes, from all creeds and all races, because he's speaking to them all. He sees the heart. What if if the God of the universe who sees the heart can look at a native in Australia and see that native look at the moon, the full moon, and in his heart, yearn for the God who made that moon. Don't second-guess God. I'm telling you, don't think you can figure it out. He knows the heart of man. If that man who looks at the moon yearns for the God who made that beautiful moon would have heard what you heard, guess what? He would have believed. Time means nothing to God. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. Jesus said when he went to the cross, he said, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. What happened in the invisible? Man saw a man hanging on a tree. God saw the beginning of the dark clouds gathering. The whole earth went into darkness for three hours when he was on the cross, darkness. Saints, it was the judgment of the world of which Noah's flood is but a picture. He blotted out all flesh in Noah's flood, a picture of what happened on the cross. He blotted out all flesh he became sin for us, for all sin, for all people, for all time. He offered him up, himself up by the eternal spirit. Out, he was in time but out of time. As he offered himself up by the eternal spirit, that work was effectual from the foundation of the world. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world in a mystery we cannot explain. We can only get glimpses of it and believe it. And and this awesome reality that God has done this, he's moved the whole human race into death and judgment, he has cleansed the earth, just like in in the days of Noah, when Noah went through the flood, on the other side, they went, so to speak, into a new earth, a cleansed earth, with a rainbow of no more judgment, a promise of no more judgment. The ark speaks of Christ after the flesh. The rainbow speaks of the ascended Christ after the spirit, after the order of Melchizedek. He's, he's, that's the rainbow from his throne. The scripture says, I'll take my bow and put it in the sky. Ezekiel saw the throne of God and he had a rainbow around it. He says, I'll take my bow from my throne and put it in the sky. I tell you, my word is sure. I shall not hold your sin against you again, for my high priest ever lives to make intercession. And that word, like Clark says, that word is not just praying for you. It's not just intercession, like he's praying for you to make it. Intercession in the Greek there means he stands in your place. He is as you before God, and you are as him before God. As the scripture says, as he is, so are we now in this world and forever. It's awesome. This work is so powerful. So here we have two thieves. One day I was reading John chapter 19, and verse 28 through 37, and scripture says that there were two thieves crucified with him, with him. And the Spirit said, look at that, with him. With him, with him, with him, with him. And I went, oh my gosh, Galatians 2.20, we were crucified with him. The reason why, saints, there had to be two men crucified at the same time that Jesus was crucified was to show that his death would be the death of all men whether they believe or not. See, the Calvinist model, the Reformed thinking model, is that have only one thief and Christ. One believer and Christ. A limited atonement that's not... The model, that's not the picture the father drew. The father had two thieves. One believed, one did not, but he died for both. He was crucified with them and they with him. See, that's what the father is saying. One inherited eternal life, the other did not. One descended into Sheol and came into Abraham's bosom. The other descended at the same time and went to the other side, the great gulf between the two. It's awesome. It's awesome. This, let's look at 1 Peter chapter three, please. 1 Peter chapter three, I hope I didn't bite off more than I can chew here in the time we have. I'm trying to get it in one session. 1 Peter chapter three. 1 Peter chapter three, I love this. This is an amazing insight that Peter gives us. 1 Peter chapter three verse 18 First Peter chapter 3 verse 18 For Christ also died for sins once for all the just for the unjust in order that he might bring us to God having been put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison the word now is not in the greek it's italicized in your bibles he went down and made proclamation to the spirits in prison verse 20 who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few that is eight persons were brought safely through the water You know what that means saints This is awesome Contrary to a lot of teaching out there Jesus did not suffer in hell He did not suffer in hell He descended to proclaim something Listen, when you say that it takes Jesus suffering in hell to finish the atonement or to finish the reconciliation, that minimizes the blood. It is the blood that saves. It is the death of Christ on the tree that saves. It is not suffering in hell. The Son of God would never suffer by the hands of Satan, never. He would offer himself up as a sacrifice for all of us. And then descend to proclaim to the spirits in prison. He descended into Abraham's bosom with this thief. Can you imagine this thief on this ride with him? What a movie that'd make! This thief who was a scoundrel and a thief, and no one believed him to amount to anything. And he gets crucified, but he gets crucified next to the Son of God. And in that simple act of faith, remember me, Lord, he's on the ride of, of eternity. He's an eyewitness. He's an eyewitness too. As what Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. As Ephesians says, he who ascended first descended. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. He who ascended first descended that he might fill all things. See, first he had to descend to shield. He proclaimed, as Peter said, even to those who died before the flood, that the work had been accomplished, that the work had been finished. He was about to take the keys of Hades and lead captivity captive. Or, in other words, set them free from below. See, that's what Jesus meant when he said the gates of Hades shall not prevail against his church. We hear that about, you know, people use that for spiritual warfare and all that. That's not what that's talking about at all. What he's talking about is the gates of Hades refers to the authority, the gates of the authority. The authority of Hades has to do with man and sin and God. Man cannot pass into the heavens because of sin. The authority of Hades, of which the devil loves to to talk about, holds every departed man in that place unable to pass into the heavens. It's the gates of Hades, the authority of Hades, you see? So man could not pass into the heavens. Jesus said that what he would do would destroy the gates of Hades. The gates of Hades would not prevail. In other words, the authority would not hold you anymore. When you receive him because of his sacrifice and because of your union with him, his life, now when you die, absent from the body, it's present with him. You don't go to Hades. The, The gates of Hades have been busted wide open. You will not go to Hades. In fact, there is no more Abraham's bosom. What happened actually is when Jesus ascended, when he called forth and by the way when he ascended on the third day they didn't they didn't they didn't get released immediately i'll show you in a scripture oh, i hope i have time they didn't they didn't they didn't they weren't released immediately he, he almost it's almost like he said i'll be back <laughs> he did it's like he had to ascend first to the father no man could touch him he told mary oh i love that, that scene where mary his, came to him she's distraught that someone's taken his body and he's, in, he's behind her. Mary Magdalene, seven demons cast out of her. He's the first one he appeared to. And she's distraught. Someone stole his body. And Jesus says, Mary. He recognized her voice. She recognized his voice immediately. Mary. She thought he was the gardener. See I heard a brother say I think it was Stan Up in North Carolina Said He said See that's the last Adam He's back in the garden A new garden A new Eden He has opened up for us I love that The gardener A new beginning He says Mary Mary turns and says Rabone, Master Teacher She falls at his feet Wanting to hold him He says don't hold me now Not yet I have not yet ascended to my father He stopped to see her Before he ascended to the father He stopped. He knew knew she would come, and she did. And he saw her, and he talked to her, and then he ascended. I ascend to my father and your father now and my God and your God now. Go and tell my brothers. And so he ascended. So he didn't, the ones in Sheol were not released yet. He had to go first. Daniel chapter 7, a vision in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, that's the vision And I saw, Daniel said, the son of man coming to the ancient of days and given to him was a kingdom and a dominion of all things. See, that had to take place before he could announce to Hades, Hades, release, like he did Lazarus. Same way. When he got all authority and all power, when he ascended from that realm in ways we can't really explain, from that realm in heaven, he announced to Hades, release, my sons and my daughters. And the the gates crumbled. And the spirits who were in prison, David and Abraham and all the prophets, moved up through the heavens and through the realms to the heavens. The first time the father had his sons at home, the first time he had to visit them for centuries. This is the first time he had all his sons at home with him. But the Son of God had to be the first. And you know what happened? The scripture says in Luke. Oh, this is so awesome. or Matthew, rather, Matthew 27, that some of those saints, well, first it says this, at his his death, the tombs, because of an earthquake, the tops of the many tombs were laid bare. When the veil was rent, when the darkness was upon the earth, when he took upon the sins of the world, an earthquake hit, the scripture says, and many of the tombs opened up, leaving dead corpses laying there for three days. Their spirits were in Sheol. The tombs were opened, the scripture says. But then it says in Luke, after the resurrection of Jesus, those came from Sheol when he announced, when he had released them, when he led captivity captive, when he says, now, come, now, And when he came, several of those went into their their bodies, were resurrected, the scripture says, and they went to their relatives, they went to their family, and they said, he has released us from below. Prophets and uncles and grandfathers went to their families and said, he is the Messiah. He has released us that they haven't seen in years. Their uncles, their, their aunts, their grandfathers came and appeared to them, the scripture says, and then disappeared and went on as a witness of first fruits to his awesome work. Saints, this is so huge. Matthew 27, 51 through 53. John 20, verse 11 through 18. Daniel 7, 13 through 14. And then he ascended. After he called them forth, then Jesus appeared to them for 40 days. He would appear. And disappear appear and disappear what he was doing saints he was training them to believe and know i'm with you even though you don't see me for 40 days of training he would appear out of nowhere and they would be oh my god jesus and they would come through the walls and they would and they would talk and he would encourage them he would encourage them and then and then disappear For 40 days, imagine that, 40 days. That's a long time. 40 days for the same people, the same group. He would appear, disappear. They'd be walking along the road thinking about, this is, like Clark says, they were in awe. They were in awe of what was happening. They were just in awe. And he would appear. Oh my God, you know, he would say, be encouraged, be encouraged. It is done, it is finished. Do you have any bread? Do you have any honey? And he would sit and eat with them. He'd break the bread, disappear. They would tell the others. Think of the stories they had in 40 days. Yes, he appeared to us by the lake. Yes, he was. In, we were in the shopping. We were in the marketplace. He appeared in the alley. In the alley. He appeared to us in the marketplace. He, we were sleeping at night. We heard a noise. We went out. He was there in our front yard. And then he disappeared again. I tell you. It's true. He's with us. He's with us. He's with us always. He's with us always. And that's what he was trying to get across. I am with you always. I don't care how bad a day you had. I don't care how bad you think you are. I don't care what you think you've accomplished or not accomplished. I accomplished all things. I am with you always. Even until the end of the world. And then finally after 40 days, he ascended in their sight so they could see, so they could see him, knowing this was the final time that they would see him unless by his will he would choose, as he did to reveal himself to Paul, sometimes on the ship and appear and still appears to people as he, as he wills. But as a final ascension he's, he did it before their eyes that all the witnesses could testify that they saw him begin to slowly rise from the ground as he was looking at them and speaking to them he didn't have to do it in front of their eyes, but he did, that they might see what is true invisibly. The scripture says he ascended on high and he gave gifts unto men. You know why it says he gave gifts unto men when he ascended on high? Is because the giftings, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, the giftings are to be a minister, ministers of the ascended life. He, he ascended on high and gave gifts unto men. He ascended on high is a reference to the finished work, to sit at the right hand of God. His ministers are to minister the finished work, the ascended life in power. And that's why he gave the gifts upon the ascension, because it was finished. And he was giving them the power of his own ascended life to minister this truth, that the body might be built up, that the body might become ministers of this truth and this reality, that until we all come to the fullness of the revelation of the Son of God and his life being our life. I'll close with this. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 17. Paul is praying and he says, Oh, I pray. And this is in closing. I pray. Paul says, I pray. Verse 17, Ephesians chapter 1. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. In accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, all things, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then chapter 2, verse 4, For God, being rich in mercy, chapter 2, verse 4, For God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus. Father, thank you so much for helping us see these things. Lord, help us behold the, un- the unseen. What a great, awesome work. What an awesome work. For you who descended have all- has also ascended and if you have filled all things. Oh, Father, we sit with you now in heavenly places in union with you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. That's all we can do. Just say thank you. Thank you, Father. Amen.